Happy holidays, everybody, and welcome back to Roped In. I'm your host, John Roper. Thank you very much for tuning in. As I've always mentioned, if you're a repeat listener, thank you very much for coming back. And if this is your first time listening, thank you for tuning in. I hope I say the right things to make you come back next week. We're only two episodes away from Christmas, so I hope you guys are as ready for Christmas as I am. And I'm just kidding when I say that. I hope you're a lot more ready for Christmas than I am. I am not ready for Christmas. I, I never really am. Yes, I'm I'm almost there, but I'd be lying if I said I was ready for Christmas. I still have those last minute things I need to do. Been doing some running around today. We'll be doing some running around tonight and doing some running around this week because I'm always a last minute guy when it comes to Christmas. Hope you guys aren't, but there you have it. Two more episodes till that magical day. I hope you get to enjoy it with the loved ones that you have in your life. But here we are, episode 23 of Roped In. Today we're going to be talking about some of the best single game performances because the other day, and it sparked a crazy amount of drama, but uh, the other day Giannis had a career high and a franchise record breaking day for the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm going to be talking about some of the greatest single game performances. I'm also going to be talking about the NFL playoff push that's going on. There's about four weeks left and some crazy battles going on there. And finally, I'm going to be giving my way too early NBA award predictions for this year. So there you have it. So those are the three segments. If you're not really a big fan of it, how about you just give it a mute and let this thing play all the way out so I get to listen. <laughs> um, But realistically, if you're not a fan of it, stay tuned for next week's episode. I hope you're a fan of those next segments. If you are, sit back, relax, and let's get right into it. So as I just mentioned, Giannis had a career day, and it sparked a lot of controversy. That game in itself was crazy dramatic all over the place. It was, I mean, I love basketball. It was enjoyable to watch the competition. It was the Bucks versus Pacers, um, and the Pacers are really excited to watch these days. It just seems like they continuously put up 120-plus points. So they're really fun to watch, and they played against the Bucks, in which Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think he had, like, what, was it 63 or 64 points, which was a career day, franchise record, career day. Um, yeah. At the end of the game, though, the Pacers kept the ball because Oscar Shibway apparently scored his first point. I don't actually know if he scored his first point there. He did score in the NBA in-season tournament, um, but maybe that wasn't an official NBA bucket, so that's why they decided to keep the ball. Um, in my eyes, one, 63 points, that game ball beats best like first point again i see the side of first point only happens once like you're you're never going to be able to recreate your first point Giannis might get a next career high in which case that ball means nothing that ball will always mean something to shibway but Giannis was also the home team so i think he deserved to keep the ball but this isn't a segment on who deserved to keep the ball this is a segment on the greatest performance because boy did he have a good performance so i'm going to get ready to Going to be breaking down some of the NBA statistical, you know, just phenomenal, great performances that happened. Um, First off, I'm going to be starting off with, in my eyes, one of the stats that, you know, I was going to say is unbreakable, but a nowadays game is going to be breakable. Uh, 
but was still amazing to watch. It's Luka Doncic. He had a 60-point triple-double. So on December 7th of 2022, Luka Doncic, who plays on the Mavericks, had a 60-point triple-double. Now, I'm highlighting this one over James Harden's 60-point triple-double because I don't like James Harden, and I also think that James Harden got his points in a very crazy free-throw, take-advantage-of-the-game kind of way. Not that Luka necessarily doesn't, but I don't know. I just like Luka's game more. So he had 60 points, 21 boards, 10 assists, 2 steals, and a block on December 27, 2022. Did it all. Absolutely amazing performance. Some other amazing performances. Chris Paul had a 20-point, a 5-rebound, 20 assists, so 20 and 20. But what makes this one amazing, he had no turnovers. The man had 20 assists and no turnovers. This was back on December 10 of 2016 when he was then with the Clippers. We had moved on from the Hornets at that point. So again, 2020, no turnovers. Crazy stat. Russell Westbrook in that MVP season, I think it was 2019, put up some ridiculous stats on route to average a triple-double. But the craziest one was the... uh, 2020 game, he had 20 points, 20 boards, and 21 assists on April 2nd, 2019. It was, some might say, a stat sheet stuffing watching kind of performance, but I think it's absolutely amazing. Not many people in the history of the league can say they put up that many points. A 2020 game is phenomenal. Hats off to you, Russell Westbrook. Um... Then we're going to move on to playoffs. So where I think the greatest playoff performance that has ever happened was probably Shaquille O'Neal. So Shaquille O'Neal on June 8th of 2001 had 28 boards, no, sorry, 28 points, 20 boards, and 9 assists to go with 8 blocks. This was in Game 2 of the Finals. So... Talk about an amazing performance in a very clutch moment of the season where you have to be clutch. That's what Shaquille O'Neal did. Uh, ah, That's going to be very tough to recreate because big men, I mean, Yusuf Nurkic is is proving me wrong. He's going to be able to put up, but he doesn't put up the blocks the same way. Shaquille O'Neal dominated. 28 points, 20 boards, 9 assists, 8 blocks. I say it's never going to be recreated, but it probably is. Even Wemby's a freak. Chet Holmgren's a freak. That's probably going to be able to get done again. But hats off to you, Shaq, for being able to do it. And finally, one of the kind of statistical uh, greatest games ever isn't going to go to a name that a lot of you know. It's Yusuf Nurkic. So when Yusuf Nurkic was playing with the Portland Trailblazers on January 1st of 2019, he had 24 points. 23 boards, 7 assists, 5 steals, and 5 blocks. Now, yes, a lot of you are saying, man, some of those other numbers might sound better, but he's one of only 13 people to ever do 5 points, 5 boards, 5 assists, 5 steals, and 5 blocks in a game. And he's actually the only player ever to do it with 20 points and 20 boards. So he's the only player ever to have 20, 20, 5, 5, 5, and 5 plus. Um... That's what kind of puts him in his category. I'm not going to say it's never going to be breakable again, but because it has been done, I'm going to say it's one of the greatest games you've ever seen because nobody else has done that. Uh, but other one that I'm going to go to, and I'm going to spend a, not a crazy amount of time, but a little bit of time on it, 
And 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 what also triggered and sparked and inspired this segment is LeBron James. So, yes, I'm a LeBron James fan, but I do think MJ is the GOAT. That's a different conversation for a different day. But LeBron James, his Game 6 performance versus the Celtics. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to fully remember the year. I think it was, was 2012 or 2013. Um, I think it was 2012. Nope, might have been 2011. Either way, the Game 6 for us Celtics, if you Google it, if you know it, it's LeBron James, Game 6 for us Celtics. Everybody, or, or legends or <laughs> stars that were playing at that time know everything about it because LeBron just went beast mode. Um, it's the greatest performance I've personally seen. So the stats that I've just listed off, I never actually watched any of those games. But this LeBron James Game 6 first Celtics, I watched. Again, a lot of you know I'm a Miami Heat fan and he was playing on the Miami Heat. Uh, it was in the playoffs. They were down 3-2. Uh, they had just lost the year before to the Dallas Mavericks in the finals. So, I mean, a lot of people have thought, and even I was getting a little worried, like, can this really work if they lose again to the Celtics and get knocked out before the playoffs? Are they even going to continue? Pat Riley's got a tight leash. Is he going to blow this thing up? But then LeBron just went nuts. So his stats, 45 points, 15 boards, and 5 assists. Now, that's not going to stand out to you as anything amazing. Those numbers have been put up, and they will be put up again in the playoffs. But LeBron James straight up put the team on his back, did not let Boston win. It was an amazing performance, and and one where it's one everything was going his way. Every shot he, I think he was eight for eight to start the game. He was definitely eight for nine. Uh, it was super impressive to watch him just take over a game. And, uh, yeah, they ended up moving on to, to win, and then they won the finals, and, and, yeah, what a game. Switching sports, we've got the NFL. So, uh, Kurt Warner is one that I kind of remember, and then in doing research, remembered again. It was the first round of the 2009 playoffs. He was 29 for 33 with 379 yards and five touchdowns. To me, what makes this amazing, going 29 for 33 which means you had four incompletions, but he had five touchdowns. He had more touchdown passes than incomplete passes, and that's why I think it's amazing because he also had 379 yards. He was chucking that thing. Pretty much 30 completions, no interceptions. It was phenomenal. Another amazing passing performance was Tom Brady later on that year. So October 18th, 2009. Now, I'm going to say this could have been the greatest game in NFL history. It's one of those what could have been. Steph Curry was like that in NBA. He got yanked early a lot of times. But Tom Brady in um, October 18, 2009, had 380 yards and six touchdowns. Now, what makes this an amazing game is he had five touchdowns in the second quarter. He only played one series in the second half. So he had 380 yards and six touchdowns, playing one half football and a series. What could have been? I mean, you do the math on that, the guy probably would have got 550 to 600 plus yards because you're going to assume that some of those yards came in the second half. So he's got 600 plus yards and 10 to 12 touchdowns if you reproduce what you do in the first half. Absolutely amazing. Adrian Peterson had the greatest rushing game I've ever kind of seen. November 4th, 2007. 
He had 296 yards on the ground with three touchdowns. An absolute beast. Adrian Peterson, I mean, of the running backs that I've seen in my time, he's the best. I don't know, CMC does it all too. But Adrian Peterson was just an amazing running back, and I loved watching him. Megatron, uh, Calvin Johnson, is the best receiver I think has ever played the game. Yes, Jerry Rice has had the best career, but I think Megatron is the greatest receiver to ever play the game of football. And on October 27th of 2013, he showed why when he had 329 total yards and a touchdown. Matt Stafford was his quarterback. He was playing on the Lions, and he just balled out. Unstoppable. He's the only guy that I've seen where... You see a double man press at the line of scrimmage. I remember a lot of people have prepared DK Metcalf to Megatron because of his size. Nobody would be Megatron because nobody I've ever seen gets pressed double at the line of scrimmage. Flipping to the defensive side, Khalil Mack, earlier this year, six sacks on October 1st of 2023 is one of the best defensive sack performances I've ever seen. I think Aaron Donald, or not Aaron Donald, uh, J.J. Watt probably has the best game I've ever seen. Um, it was when he was on Houston. He had a couple of sacks, but he had a defensive touchdown that won the game for them. Um, J.J. Watt that year, I think, could have been and probably should have been MVP. Um, yeah, amazing performance. Going to different sport, we've now got baseball. Shohei Otani, to me, has one of the greatest and where I'm going to say games I've ever seen and will never be recreated, it's going to be a bit of an exception because there's an asterisk on it. It was two games combined. I'm just treating it as one because it was the same day. It was a doubleheader, and I early mentioned it in one of my earlier episodes. Uh, dang, what episode was it if you want to go back and listen? It was episode five when I talked about Shohei's greatness near 20 episodes ago. Wow, I'm having fun doing this, guys. But I talked about Shohei Otani, how on July 27th of 2023, he played a doubleheader. Who was it against? You know what? I have some notes because I can look back. (laughs) It was a doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers. He had a complete game shutout in the first game. First ever in the MLB forum, which for those that don't know in baseball means he pitched the entire game and didn't give up a single run. Then in the afternoon game, he was the designated hitter and hit two home runs before getting pulled. Might have been able to hit three. Who knows? What an amazing game that I don't think we'll ever see be recreated on the same day. But if we're flipping to just an actual game, I'm going to say Kerry Wood. I'm going to be biased on this one. Kerry Wood is an old uh, Chicago Cubs pitcher. He has one of the greatest baseball games I've ever seen. and It was on May 6th of 1998. Kerry Wood gave up one hit had 20 strikeouts, pitched a shutout, and got the win for the Chicago Cubs. An absolutely amazing game. 20 out of the 27 outs were strikeouts. What an unbelievable game, Kerry Wood. Hats off to you. Then we're moving on to NHL. I don't know too much about hockey, so I'm going to be honest with you. These two, there's probably ones that topped it, so let me know in the comment section. Instagram page, at at Roped in the Podcast. Let me know uh, those hockey fans. I'm sure I missed some. But the two that I'm going to mention is Sam Gagné. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. He played for the Edmonton Oilers on February 2nd of 2012. And he had four goals and four assists. So he put up eight points in one game back in 2012. Seven of those points were like primary points. What I mean by that, for those that don't know in hockey... 
if you ha- you could get a secondary assist. So if you pass to the guy that passes to the guy that scores, you get an assist. I actually like that. I think that should be a thing in basketball. Uh, the pass to the assist is sometimes more crucial than the actual pass that is the assist. But either way, seven of his points were the primary points, meaning he was a key part of that goal. Uh, they started down 2 nothing, and then he came back and just had eight points in the second and third period to have an amazing performance. And uh, in the playoffs, no doubt Wayne Gretzky has the greatest playoff and arguably the greatest just single-game performance. Where I'm going to say, and it's similar like the Tom Brady where stats could have been different because it could have changed, but Wayne Gretzky in Game 3 of the 85 Stanley Cup had two goals in the first 90 seconds of the game and ended the game with a hat trick. Two goals in the first 90 seconds sets the tempo in anything. That's like scoring, what, 10 points yourself in basketball in the first two minutes. Like you're just going off. Two goals in football in the first minute. You know, like it's it's ridiculous. Um, it sets the tone. Moving on to some other sports, I'm not going to get crazy into a lot of them. Um, but... In Formula One, and this one, I'm actually going to switch it to the pit stops. So, with the pits, um, McLaren's pit, 1.8 seconds. And I'm going to say that's a, a, so, for the, sorry, 1.8 second pit stop of the lap 27 of the Qatar Grand Prix in 2013 on Lando Norris is the fastest pit stop ever. And I think the greatest pit stop of all time. It's a sporting performance, so it's the greatest single game performance of all time. Another sport that I do enjoy to watch from time to time, and I remember hearing about it because he was my favorite cricketer, is my favorite cricketer, is Chris Gale. So a match against England in 2019 for West Indies, uh, Chris Gale had 162 runs off 97 balls. Absolutely amazing. I love Chris Gale and his offensive abilities. He, He does an amazing... Stuff with his bat, uh, did amazing stuff with his bat. Uh, yeah, Chris Gale, 162 runs off 97 balls is impressive. Hats off to you, Chris Gale. And finally, a sport that I love to play, I'm going to give my hats off to Jim Furyk. So Jim Furyk, on August 7th of 2016, has the lowest round ever in the PGA tournament. He shot a 58 at the Travelers Championship. It's a course record, and as I mentioned... A PGA record. So hats off to you, Jim Furyk. 58 is something else. Um, you going to be fully honest with you guys? That's half the strokes that I normally take to get through a round of golf. Um, so good job, Jim Furyk. Uh, but either way, again, what sparked all of this, congratulations, Giannis Antetokounmpo, on your recent uh, Milwaukee Buck record. So we are currently on week 15 of 18 in the NFL season, which means the playoff is slowly approaching. So as I mentioned, it's playoff push. That's what playoffs are slowly approaching means. That's what this segment's all about. So the three teams I'm really not going to be talking about are the Patriots and Panthers because those two teams have both been eliminated. Uh, statistically, they cannot make the playoffs no matter what happens. And on the flip side, I'm not going to be talking about the 49ers because 
they've statistically made the playoffs no matter what happens. Actually, that's a lie. I'm going to be talking about the 49ers later on because I'm going to be giving a prediction. As a lot of my listeners have known, do not bet on John's predictions. John seems to not make great predictions lately. Um, but I'm going to try my best on this one and I'm going to see how it pans out. But yeah, the, the playoff push is happening. There's a, a couple of key matches and key kind of things going on. So again, the 49ers have got it completely locked up. Right now, if the playoffs were to end today, the playoffs would be on the NFC side, the 49ers with the first seed, the Cowboys with the second seed, Lions with the third seed, Bucks with the fourth seed, so the winners of your respective divisions, and then you've got the Eagles with the fifth seed of the wild card spot, sixth seed Vikings with the wild card spot, and the seventh seed Packers. Over on the AFC side, you've got the Ravens with that first round bye right now, second seed Dolphins, third seed Chiefs, fourth seed Jaguars. Then you've got the fifth seeded wildcard Browns, sixth seeded wildcard Bengals, seventh seeded wildcard Colts. There you have it. That's kind of how it goes. So you would have the 49ers and the Ravens both getting their first round bye. Cowboys would play the Packers. Lions would play the Vikings and Bucks would play the Eagles. Dolphins would play the Colts. Chiefs would play the Bengals and Jags would play the Browns because it's 2, 7, 3, 6, 4, 5. That's kind of how it would look. But there are some other teams that, that you know, I do think are, are in the hunt and on the bubble and, and pushing their way to get there. I think the Bills are too good of a team. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, they're they're up against a tough one this week against the, the Cowboys. They don't have a great schedule to finish it. But I do think the Bills will sneak their way into that last wild card spot in the AFC. Their, their team is just too good. The Broncos, I mean, they have turned it around. They're 7-7, seven and seven, but I don't know. I just, I don't think they've, they, they turned it around too late. They're, they're not going to be able to make it. The Texans are another good team. They're 7-6. and six. Uh, they, they might win this week. They're in a really close battle right now with, I think it's the Tennessee Titans is who they're going against, but they're, they're in a really close battle right now themselves. Um, so the AFC... I mean, you never really know. Some, some tough battles. Other teams statistically that are in the race. You know, uh, uh, the Raiders, but I don't think they're going to turn it around. The Jets aren't going to be able to turn it around with Aaron Rodgers coming back. It's just going to be too late, so they're not really going to be able to do anything on that side either. Steelers, I just don't think are going to have the oomph to really do it. And the Chargers are just an absolute dumpster fire. So, you know... That's the AFC is not going to really change too much, I don't think. Going on um, on that side, the the teams that are there, I think, are going to remain there. Colts are are a tough team to to put a lot of faith in. I think the Bills could leapfrog the Colts. Same with the Bengals; they're rocking without Joe Burrow. They're right now. Uh, dang, what's their quarterback's name? That I cannot remember the life of me, but he's their backup because Joe Burrow is injured. So those two teams are shaky. Same thing with Joe Flacco, even though they beat the Bears today. Um, but again, I think the Bills are going to be the ones that that jump up. Over on the NFC side, you know, statistically still in it, the Rams, Seahawks, Falcons, and Saints. Now, the Falcons, I think, are going to lose today against the Panthers, which call for Arthur Smith's job. How that man has a job is beyond me. 
He's just wasting premier first-round talent. They've got Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson, who should be a big three in NFL kind of dynamic takeover ability trio people. And yeah, he's done nothing with them. Don't get me wrong, Desmond Ritter is not a great quarterback, but he's done nothing to develop Desmond Ritter, and with those options around him, should be something amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's Falcons aren't going to make it. Seahawks could, but they're going against my Eagles this Monday night, which I love my Eagles. I don't think the Seahawks are going to win it, which is going to knock them a little further down. And it's going to be tough to make it in after that. Granted, the NFC West is a, a, a absolute... In my eyes, dumpster fire. Um, I mean, realistically, 49ers are winning the NFC West. Rams and Seahawks are the two teams. Rams are surprising me. Um, I didn't think they were going to be this far up here. I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to be this far up here, but they are. Um, And the Saints are another team in the NFC South that I really, really like. The NFC South is a weak one right now. The Buccaneers and the Saints are actually tied. I think the Buccaneers just have it on a, a wild, I mean, um, a default. So the Saints, I think, are the team that could jump into the playoffs, and it would be over the Buccaneers. Uh, the other one, I actually could see the. You know what? I bash on them for. The Seahawks are the other team that I could see. So I could actually see the Seahawks and the Saints performing well to end the season, knocking out the Buccaneers and the Packers. Um, It's going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, After this, there's only going to be three weeks left, those 16, 17, and 18. Now the the bye weeks are, are all over. So there's the fantastic Saturday matches. There's the Monday night matches. There's some Thursday night matches. There's football Four days out of the week. It's absolutely amazing. Um, so for those that aren't football fans, if you're a friend and a family listening to this and you're a lady, do not let your man trick you. There's no football on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So if he says he's taking the night off football for you, it's because there is no football. Fellas, I am so sorry. I'm going to be honest with you. I just thought that was funny to say. I saw a joke about it. There was Instagram videos about guys being like, oh, babe, I'm taking the day off. We're going to go on a date night. Football just wasn't on that night. Four days a week. I love this time of the year. Uh, Basketball's on. So many fun things happening. But again, I mentioned I would do my playoff prediction. So here you have it. I think as much as it grieves me, the 49ers are going to hold on to that top spot. They're going to be the number one seed in the NFC. Their schedule compared to the Eagles is just, in my eyes, too good. So they're going to move on, be the number one seed. The number two seed, to me, is going to be the Eagles. I know I'm an Eagles fan. I know I'm a supporter. And a lot of you say I'm biased. They've had two rough weeks. They lost to the Niners and the Cowboys. So some of you are saying the Cowboys should stay too. I don't know if the Cowboys are going to win out. I think the Bills could beat the Cowboys today. And I think the Eagles are going to win, which puts them back in top of the NFC East and then solely in the number two spot. I don't think they're going to take number one because San Fran's going to win today as well. They're going against the Cardinals, who are just a dumpster fire this year. So it's going to be 49ers one, Eagles two, Lions are going to remain three, and then it's going to be the Saints four by default of winning the NFC South with a poultry record. Then the number five wildcard spot, 
is going to be the Cowboys. I think they're going to hold on. They're going to be who should be a top four team. But because, again, it goes by the winners of the division, uh, they're going to be the number one wild card spot. I think the Vikings do hold on to it. Their roster is too talented. I do like Joshua Dobbs. I like Justin Jefferson. I kind of like their defense out there. And I don't really like anybody else that's contending to jump in there right now. Uh, however, 6 and 7 to me... Actually, that's a lie. 7 to me is now going to be different. I think the Packers are going to fall out, and that's where I think the Seahawks are going to go in. Now that I think about it, I'm going to flip that order. Seahawks are going to be 6, and Vikings are going to finish 7 of that playoffs. So there you have it. To kind of <laughs> recap it all over, 49ers won. Eagles 2, Lions 3, Saints 4, Cowboys 5, Seahawks 6, Vikings 7. Hold me to it. Then we're going to go over to the AFC side. I do think the Ravens are going to hold on to that top spot. I think Lamar Jackson is too good. I think the defense is very good. They've got it clicking this year. They're going to hold on to that top spot and they're going to win. I also think the Dolphins win the AFC East and I think that they continue to to perform, their their schedule is not one of the toughest ones, and they've got a good enough team that they hold on to the number two spot, winning the AFC East. Chiefs are going to win the AFC West. Their schedule is good enough to to hold that number three spot as well, because you know the AFC West isn't that competitive. So I think they're going to hold out and and win, keep that number three spot. And yes, I think it's going to be the Jaguars. So nothing's really changing in that kind of top four, Ravens get the bye, Dolphins two, Chiefs three, Jaguars four. Then we're moving on to the wild card, and, and this is where, I'm not going to say it leapfrogs and it changes, uh, I think that the, the Browns probably stay five, uh, I know Joe Flacco's the quarterback Deshaun Watson has done, but that defense is no joke, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't. I think they hold together mainly because there's too many injuries on the AFC. Um, actually, I lied. Bills are going to win out. They're going to do really good. They're going to get that number five spot. Um, and then the Browns are going to be number six. Number seven, I think it's going to be the Bengals. I think the Colts do fall out. Uh, and, and the Bengals... Their offensive weapons, defensive team is too good. Their coaching is too good. They've got the experience. They're going to make it into that seventh seed. So on the AFC side, you're going to have the Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, Jaguars, Bills, Browns, Bengals. So basically, the Bills just leapfrog themselves into five. Browns and Bengals drop down one from what it is today. There you have it. That's the NFL playoff push and my predictions on how I think it's going to finish out at the end of the season. And to round out the day, we've got my take on what's one of my favorite segments to watch on YouTube and read on these sporting websites like TSN and Bleacher Report and those kind of things. Actually, Bleacher Report's kind of fallen off for me, but either way, you know, those sports segments. It's my take on the way too early NBA award predictions. So starting off, we've got the MVP. This one might be a surprise to some, but not necessarily a huge shocker to those that are basketball fans. It's Luka Doncic. Now, why it might be a surprise is it's not the name Nikola Jokic. 
Now, Nikola Jokic is, I think, the best player in basketball, which is funny why I don't have him as MVP. Um, I think it's probably that voters fatigue. Uh, it's it's definitely a tough one. Um, I think it's it's part of the reason why Joel Embiid won it last year. Um, but but Luka Doncic, I think, is going to put it together. He's going to have an amazing season. He's going to continue to ride it out. Not that Jokic doesn't deserve it, but I just think Luka Doncic is going to win his first one this year. But if he doesn't, the people that I think could are, as I said, Nikola Jokic. Giannis is having a phenomenal year. Joel Embiid could always win it again. And finally, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is just having an MVP season out there in OKC. Um... So, yeah, that's the most valuable player in the MVP, in the NBA. Uh, then we're moving on to Rookie of the Year predictions. So, this one is not who I would vote for it, but it's who I think consensus is, and these are where some of my picks are going to be, is who I think is going to win it. Um, it's going to be Wemby, Victor Wembenyama. He's the big name. He was the big name coming into this year. Now, Chet Holmgren was drafted last year, but injured all of last year, so some people think he was around the practice facility. He doesn't deserve it the same way Wemby does because he's not a true rookie. He actually got drafted last year, but he didn't get any playing time. This is his first kind of actual playing time, so because of that, and it's funny, I'm not going to get too drawn up in this segment. I remember me and my friends were saying, so when Patrick Mahomes had his breakout season, was I think also the same year, was it the, who, there was some rookie had a, a, a breakout season as well, the one rookie of the year after being injured his rookie year. And some people were saying that Patrick Mahomes should have won rookie of the year because, I mean, he didn't play his rookie year, he sat behind Alex Smith. To me, there's a difference between sitting behind because you just, either the coach didn't want to play you or you weren't good enough to be played, or sitting because of an injury. Because when you're healthy, you're fully participating in practice. You can do every rep with the first-time team all season. You're learning. You're doing everything. You're getting stronger. You're doing all this. When you're injured, you're not. Granted, I'm going to give you the aspect you're around the the game. It, it is a little unfair. Uh, I know Blake Griffin won Rookie of the Year this way in basketball. Um, so there is a slight edge of being unfair because you're you're in the NBA facility. You see how the league operates. You you do have that advantage going into your season. You know how the team travels, those kind of things. Um, but Chet Holmgren, I absolutely love, and I, I I mentioned it before. I think he should be Rookie of the Year. But Wemby, no knock on him. He's having a Rookie of the Year caliber season, and I think enough people know his name that he is going to win it. Other people that could. I really like Asar Thompson. I've mentioned it before. I think Asar Thompson is going to be, I'm going to say maybe a surprise of the draft. It's funny to say that because he was drafted fifth. He was drafted behind his brother. I, You could quote me on it and go back and listen to my episodes. I thought Asar Thompson was better than his brother, Amon Thompson. I don't think he should have been the number one pick. I don't even think he should have been number two. I thought Scoot should have been number two. And yes, I'm going to admit it's funny to say now because Scoot's kind of bouncing around. He's been in the G League. He's not putting it together. Asar Thompson, good enough to have been the number third pick, but realistically, I would have picked him four. Realistically, I would have done the same one, two, three in that order. Wemby, Scoot, Brandon Miller. Um, or is it... Either way. 
that would have been the top three. But Asar Thompson, I think, should have been the pick over his brother at four. And I think he's going to have a great season. A defensive freak. And the other person who's in a bit of a long shot right now, but could win it, is Jaime Hawkes out of Miami. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wasn't overly... Uh, how do I say this? Overly high potential side on Jaime Hawkins. I didn't think he was going to be a great pick. I liked him. I thought Miami does good in the draft, but I didn't think he was going to be this good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's the fourth best rookie this year. I could be biased, but I do. Uh, moving on to defensive player of the year. Uh, it's tough. If he stays healthy enough, Anthony Davis is going to win this for the same reason. Not for the same reason, but a similar reason as Wemby in that the name. It's Anthony Davis. He's going to get those voters' names. Um, I wanted Bam Adebayo to win this going into the season, but I don't really think he's consistently put up the numbers this year to really be in the contention. A person who I actually think could be a long shot, I like Drew Holiday, and I think Drew Holiday could be the Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's now out there in Boston. He's taken over that Marcus Smart defensive guard role and I think he could be defensive player of the year of course he's still got Giannis and another one who's playing really good this year is Evan Mobley the the guy out of Cleveland um, so again that's kind of who I think are in contention for defensive player of the year moving on we've got the most improved player of the year now who I think should win it but it's going to be tough is Tyrese Maxey now where I say it's going to be tough is I remember lat was it last year now, John Morant has his problems. Don't get me wrong. He has problems with his guns. But the year that he had really broke out, I always said he should be most improved player of the year. And some people were like, nope, he's an MVP. You can't be an MVP and most improved player of the year. I'm like, why the heck not? You could still improve and be that good. So where I'm thinking Tyrese might get knocked on this most improved player of the year is he's going to be in contention for that MVP potentially. I didn't mention him before, but he's having an amazing season. He was a name that I wouldn't have mentioned if I have to mention the sixth. So Tyrese Maxey could be a most improved, but what's going to hurt him is that he's almost too good and should be an MVP. So it's going to hurt his chances on most improved, which then opens the door for Mikhail Bridges out of Brooklyn, I think he's an amazing player who, after the trade last year, started his most improved player campaign. Tyrese Maxey in Philadelphia taking over the scoring duties for James Harden is just absolutely amazing. And Scotty Barnes, who I've seen a lot of watching the Toronto Raptors games living in Canada, he's having an amazing season too. So one of those three I think are going to win it, but Tyrese does deserve it in my eyes. Sixth man of the year. Maybe I'm biased. He's on my fantasy team. I'm looking at the stats a lot. I think it's going to be Tim Hardaway Jr., guys. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. down in Dallas. Now, I think he's going to win it because, again, Luka Doncic is going to be the MVP, and I think Dallas is going to have a run. Dallas is actually my underdog, my my dark horse finals uh, championship team this year. I think if Kyrie and, and Doncic can stay healthy enough to play together this year, Derek Lively is putting together an amazing season. He's, I think, fifth in contention for Rookie of the Year. He's the one name I didn't mention. But Dallas has a really, really good team. And Tim Hardaway Jr. coming off the bench, providing that scoring, is is a really good plug right now. Um, but some other players is, Iman, uh, is uh, Emmanuel Quickly out of New York. 
Malik Monk out of Sacramento, and Cam Thomas out of Brooklyn. All those guys could do really good, but ultimately, I've got Tim Hardaway. So, to recap this entire segment, Luka's going to be my MVP, Wemby's going to win Rookie of the Year, Anthony Davis is going to win Defensive Player of the Year, Mm, I didn't say it before, I'm going to say Tyrese Maxey is going to be Most Improved Player of the Year, and Sixth Man of the Year is going to be Tim Hardaway Jr. Um... I think Tyrese Maxey is eventually going to become a, uh, a really, really good player. Um, he's kind of like the Tyrese where he could break out of that MVP contention, but he's not, which is why I think he's going to win that most improved. Uh, and then again, Tim Hardaway for that sixth man of the year. The other award is most clutch player of the year. I have no idea who's going to win that one. I, I haven't watched all of the games enough to sit back and, and really put my vote on that one. Um, Dylan Brooks hit a clutch shot, but he's definitely not going to win it. It's going to be a big name like always, probably like a Steph or a Damian Lillard winning that one. But the big award that we all care about, Luka Doncic is going to be the MVP of this season. And that's a wrap on yet another episode of Roped In. An absolute pleasure to sit back and record this one. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. Um, if not, and you've had this on mute, it's almost over, so you can turn off your device. Um, but again, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're a repeat listener, like I mentioned at the start of the episode, if you're a repeat listener, thank you for coming back. This is your first time listening. Thank you for making it to the end, and I hope I see you uh, next week. Um, I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to have one more episode. And then I'm going to give myself the Christmas vacation. So it's it's funny that I'm, I'm only doing this weekly and it's really not that hard. Maybe at the end of the episode, I'm going to and double back on this word, but I'm going to say it from now. I'm going to take a little bit of a break. I, I've got some vacation, some timed up with some loved ones, some friends and some family. Not to say it's going to be easy or hard to, oh, sorry, hard to record these podcasts, but I'm going to want some time off. So... You've got this week, we're going to get one more, so December 24th, Christmas Eve, we're going to get an episode. Ooh. And then I'm going to take a little bit of a break, um, holiday holiday seasons. Uh, but, you know, I'm having a lot of fun, so thank you all very much for, for tuning in and, and giving me the listens, giving me the likes. Again, it's at Roped in the Podcast. Let me know what you think. In the comments I've talked, I mean the segments I've talked about, if I've mentioned something that's absolutely crazy, let me know. I don't think I'm crazy. I think you are, but I'm willing to fight my craziness. I also uh, just want to know different opinions. I want to learn more things. So in that greatest uh, greatest game segments, let me know the sports I've missed. Let me know the the athletes that are, that have been impressive to watch. I love to learn more. Put them in the comment section. Spark the conversation. At roped in the podcast. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing this, but really, ultimately, my Christmas wish, guys, I hope to find a co-host. As I've always mentioned, I've said it five times in this outro already, but I'm having fun doing this, but I'm, I would have a lot of more fun, a lot of more fun, good English, John, I would have a lot more fun doing this with somebody, and if I could do it consistently, that would be amazing. This isn't a way of plea, so if any of you are listening to this, if you have a podcast of your own or you're thinking about getting into the podcasting world, let me know. Um, I've got an email. It's roped in the podcast at gmail.com. You can let me know there. 
you can also let me know in the comment section if you're bold enough to put it out there. I'm, I'm looking for a co-host. Um, you don't always have to show up. I could do guests on certain things. If you just want to be a guest for an episode, I'm happy to have you on for one episode. But realistically, I'm looking to grow the Roped In team. So if you want to be a part of it, let me know in that comment section. This has been really fun. I don't got much else. Uh, happy Football Sunday. Happy Basketball Sunday. Happy Soccer Sunday. Happy Holiday Sunday. As always, Hakuna Matata. <laughs>